Hi again, I'm Melanie Hirshhorn, the digital content creator and marketing strategist and coach for women business owners. And welcome back to another episode of VIP Access. VIP stands for Visibility, Impact, Profit. And this podcast will get you inspired and fired up about content creation and marketing yourself and your brand. Each week, you'll get marketing and mindset strategies, actionable tips, and the motivation you need to land more clients, nurture your leads, and position yourself as an expert in your industry. We also go behind the scenes with powerful women in business to discuss strategies, messaging, and more. My mission is to empower you to stop spinning your wheels and to make your mark with your marketing. Ready to wow your ideal client and create a community of raving fans? Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, and welcome back to VIP Access. I'm Melanie Hershorn. Today, I am joined by somebody who has been very special in my life for literally half my life. We are sorority sisters from the University of Toronto. We are Kappa Kappa Gammas together. And her name is Colleen James. She is so passionate about helping others learn and grow. She has been able to blend her passions of education and diversity, and she is the principal consultant at Devonify. She provides equity, diversity, and inclusion training to organizations, companies, and individuals. In her role as a professor in the School of Business at Conestoga College, she thrives on challenging her students to discover their inner resources, enabling them to better understand the realities and the possibilities of their diversity, which is amazing. Colleen, welcome. It is so fantastic to see your beautiful face. Thank you, Mel. Thank you for having this space and the opportunity to speak and, you know, connect after many, many years of not seeing you. <laughs> I know, I know. The last time we we had a really long conversation was when I was in South Carolina for my 10th wedding anniversary, getting really bent out of shape about the fact that the tour guide was glossing over the fact that slaves had lived at the plantation we were touring. Yes. <laughs> it made me think of my time in Louisiana when we went to New Orleans and similar situation, right? Glamorizing it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about diversity training as a whole. Yeah. How does what you do work? You go into businesses, you, you do talks, you kind of help people figure out what on earth they're doing that is totally not right. That kind of, you know, continues to showcase systemic barriers, inequities. So what I do is it's a series of things. So, you know, the sauce, the secret sauce with what I do is, yes, I do the training and the workshops. That's part of it. But organizations who are just starting down this journey of how do we address systemic racism? How do we even identify it? How do we know what our employees, how they're feeling marginalized? What discrimination are they facing? So it's the training, but it's also providing tools and coming and doing some of those assessments, but also understanding that it's a journey. You can't just fix this stuff overnight, right? So some of the things I look at are, well, what's the language you've been using in the documents you're doing? How are your documents showing some sort of bias? How is it excluding members of your, your workforce? Can you give us an example? <laughs> oh my goodness. So 
Yeah. Okay. So one thing I I can think of specifically, and, and you know, some of the stuff I do is a lot with boards and committees. You know, there's an, a gap with like the diversity of boards and you know people who who work on boards. One of the words that I always see come across is the word surf. So why do you want to serve on this committee? So instead of that language of serve, you're thinking, you know. It's as simple as why do you want to apply, but why are you passionate? What's your why? Why do you just want to be a part of this? What do you bring to this? And, you know, understanding that sometimes the questions we ask, especially in hiring, you know, why us? Why you? Why now? If a a candidate can answer those three questions, all of that stuff, like the education and the where have you worked before, it all will come up organically in the conversation. And the other thing I think about is when we're asking people to fill out information about themselves, we always start with the education and we start with the work experience. That is intimidating for somebody who's just getting into the workforce, right? It's intimidating for somebody who maybe doesn't have the most educational background, but that doesn't mean they're not passionate about what they're doing and they don't have the experience that will benefit a team or an organization. So there's that aspect of things and helping organizations understand that, that, you know, systemically, when we're asking about credentials all the time, you know, we need to look bigger than that because people have a lot of value to bring. And even having the language in the forms that are intimidating, you're automatically closing off that opportunity for others. Yeah. And others who don't have the opportunity, maybe it's a socioeconomic issue or Right. And then when we look at just language internally with organizations and their employees, sometimes it's not about the language. It's about, you know, showing that you're valuing the individual that's there. So when we talk about, well, we've created this policy that's equal for everybody. But how do you know that if you haven't done the work to ask the questions about what the individual needs are? right? What are my individual needs? My individual needs, you know, when I look at, you know, Black people in general, we're not a monolith. My needs are going to be different from somebody else's. Have you done the work to ask what those needs are of the employees to really make sure that whatever you're doing, if it's you're organizing something, you've got, you know, marketing, communications, have you really done the work to investigate this, right? And as well, sometimes what I do, even if employers, they have their equity person, they have somebody that's doing this work internally, You need that outside lens sometimes to just have that critical lens to say, wait a second, you know, maybe think about doing it this way, or maybe I'll help you wordsmith. So having a consultant do this work is beneficial holistically from the internal perspective. But then if you're dealing, a lot of the clients I have are government municipalities. I'm like, but how is it externally looking as well? Mm-hmm. And people who are inside sometimes can't see that. <laughs> I spent almost a decade working in government and I understood that right away. I'm like, you really don't understand the needs of the communities you're serving, right? Because you're not asking. Okay, so let's put it down on a smaller level. So because a lot of people who are listening are going to be entrepreneurs. So maybe they're even solopreneurs and they don't have any people working with them for them who are different than they are. But what are some things that entrepreneurs can do to make it so that their business, their services, their products are more inclusive? I think it looks at, you know, with with small businesses, and I mean, I know myself, you know, for a, a long time, you're a one person show trying to do every single thing. And, you know, maybe you don't have the resources, right? But, you know, we're fortunate for search engines that can help to kind of 
open up eyes a little bit and lenses to see different perspectives. But I think, you know, it's getting a little uncomfortable in reaching out to that demographic that you know you're not seeing as purchasing your product or buying your service. What can you do? So a lot of times the mindset is, well, XYZ group will come to, to me, but have we done any sort of outreach? There are organizations throughout every community volunteer-led, very diverse, have we taken that step to get out of our comfort zone, especially when we're looking at marketing, we're pushing out information, you know, do you have a network of Black entrepreneurs in whatever volunteer or, you know, nonprofit that's there? And, you know, how can I build this relationship? So a lot of it comes down to very simple. It's building the relationship. And it is uncomfortable at first, but I'd rather somebody ask me, how do I, how do I get in, in touch with your network of people than just ignoring it altogether? And then making that assumption that they don't want to buy my product, they don't want to use my services, when we really haven't done that little, you know, that's an email that is, you know, a quick phone call, what can I do to work with you, get to know what this audience needs, and, you know, build from there, right? And I think a lot of the issues we have today are, and I'm sure you'd agree, it's just we haven't asked questions and we were too comfortable sometimes. And we need to spend time focusing on the relationships we're building and diverse relationships and, you know, not sticking to what we know because it's easy to do that. I think that's for everything. You know, we know we're, we're comfortable. So for small businesses, it really is if you're noticing there is a gap in who my clientele is. What do I need to do to reach out? And it doesn't have to be expensive. That is a call, an email, a quick Zoom. Now we don't even have to go anywhere. No, nope. A quick Zoom to say, let me just jump on a call with this group, right? Or this individual. So yeah, so there are things and, you know, as your resources start to improve and, you know, you really recognize that's when there's lots of so many individual entrepreneurs who will help with this stuff. You know, I think of you know things like Fiverr that people will say, we'll help you, we'll help you reach that audience. And it's very inexpensive to do that. So I'm thinking about Instagram right now. Yeah. Because I recall when I had my maternity and nursing wear business, which you purchase clothing from me because you're the best ever. Yes, yes. I always made a point after it was pointed out to me that I only had one model and she was white. And I was like, oh yeah, it was not on purpose. It was, that's who I was able to get. So then as soon as it was pointed out to me, never again did I only have one white model. I made absolutely sure to always include different women I had, Latina women, I had African-American women, I had Asian women, just making sure to show the diversity of the world of people buying my clothes. And now, I mean, that was many years ago, but now I scroll Instagram and like now I scroll Instagram and I'm like, why is everybody white in this particular product? Like, why is every person selling this product white? And it's like, come on, people. Right. You recognize it. And, you know, and sometimes it does take someone to call it out. And I think we've, there's this call out culture where someone will call you out and publicly try and shame an organization, which in some cases is very needed. And sometimes you call that person in and say, listen, this is the pattern I'm noticing. I've worked with some clothing companies as well, based out of Toronto, just doing this training and stuff. And really it was like, okay, you focus on the clothing and that is absolutely fine. But 
first of all, you're going to get some diverse models up in there. (laughs) And then if you want to partner and bridge that relationship, how hard is it to just say, you know what, there's a, there's a black entrepreneur who sells bracelets and on our models, we're going to put that one bracelet on there. Okay. And then you're linking that and you're creating not only more business for you from a diverse network, but for that other black entrepreneur who's starting out, who maybe as well doesn't have that broad network yet, you know? So it's looking at things that I always say to people, you have to look through that a different lens, not the lens that you've been looking through. And it really is a change of mindset in terms of what does it mean to really be diverse And how do we build and foster those relationships with people we don't know and maybe cultures we don't know, right? Now, I want to ask a hard question because people automatically say, well, doesn't everybody matter? And just because somebody matters doesn't mean other people don't matter, but it's important to highlight those who do who haven't been given a voice. So What do you say to people who give that knee-jerk, really stupid response? Yes, it comes up all the time. I mean, we'll call it what it is when people say, you know, all lives matter versus Black lives matter, right? And, you know, it's not taking away from something. And I think people think that because you're recognizing that there's an issue, that means that you're minimizing something else. And that's not, if we're working for equality and equity here, it's not about taking anything away. It's about making sure that everybody has access and the same equal opportunities and is not further marginalized within a community or a society. You know, from a business, I had a conversation the other day and it was, you know, supporting black owned businesses and an organization says they're black owned. Does that mean that they only service black people? No, No. but it's highlighting. I know it was quite an interesting conversation, but it's highlighting the fact that, you know, historically the opportunities that black people have had to own businesses has not been the same opportunity Historically, given colonialism and and systemic racism, the opportunities, even the opportunities for loans to start businesses, there's a disparity there, right? So, you know, you're really trying to amplify and, you know, make sure that platform is available for everybody. We're not taking away. I'm not saying no, all, you know, all lives don't matter. All lives do, but recognize that there's systemic barriers that are facing certain communities more than others. And the situation for some is very, very, very dire. And I think with dealing with COVID and all of the disparities that, you know, people are experiencing, it's just kind of amplified everything and made it that much. We're able to see now, you know, when you look at education, what are the disproportionate disadvantages for some versus others? And, you know, how's everything going to come out on the end of this, right? Because at the end of the day, everyone deserves an education and opportunities. So, all lives matter or, or, you know, everybody it's yeah, but no one's saying that's not the case. Just recognize that historically certain groups, black, indigenous, uh, Latino people of color, they've had to go through that battle and go through those hills, a lot more hills to get to success, especially when we look at socioeconomic success. Absolutely. And that was so well said. When you think about the fact that women in the United States and Canada really have only had the right to vote for a hundred years and what they pushed up against a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Did a woman's right to vote take away a man's right to vote? No, but were African-Americans allowed to vote? 
Not at all. No, right? What does that say when you think, when you really go back, you know, Black people weren't even considered, they were considered property, not people, right? So yes, Black lives do matter because we're trying to get access to the things that certain people, white people have already had the privilege of just, it's an automatic assumption, right? And it's a lot of work. And Mel, it's not easy work. It's messy work. And you need to meet people where they're at. And this is the thing. I never assume that people know more or, you know, I'm like, where are you at in this journey? Where are you in trying to understand, you know, how do we deal with all of these racial systemic issues going on in our country and everyone's at a different level? And it ties into the education. A student walks into my classroom and I don't assume they're all A students or they're all D students. I'm like, where are you at? And what? where are you at in your learning? And my goal when I work with an organization or an individual is wherever I meet them is not the same place that they're going to be when I'm done or when uh, throughout the, the time I'm with them. Love it. So how did your obsession of watching Law & Order SVU prepare you for the job that you have now? Oh, you remember? Yeah. (laughs) And Survivor. (laughs) And Survivor. (laughs) You know, what I would take from that, because I still get in my binge watches with Law. I could watch that forever. You were binge watching before binge watching had a name. Right? (laughs) It's the critical thinking piece. It's the ability to just because of what you see and what you the information you're fed doesn't mean that it's necessarily the truth. And it's up to us to question and really kind of, you know, unpack and dig a little deeper to find kind of, you know, what what's going on and how does it impact me? Right. How does it impact our families, our children, when we think about our children? So all of those investigative, all of that, Mel, is all about that critical thinking. It's a good question. (laughs) Yes, it helps that I've known you a long time. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So how can business owners find you and get your incredible consulting work for their businesses? Oh, my goodness. Contact me on my website, www.devonify.com. You can email me directly, colleen at devonify.com. And yeah, I mean, I know you're based in, in the States, Mel, but I work internationally as well. I think there's there's value. We are what, distant cousin <laughs> to the north? Whatever like you want to say. <laughs> the issues that impact you guys also impact us. And, you know, we're directly related and the work that I've done in doing my role and has stemmed from looking at, you know, what's going on in the U.S., how is that related to Canada, and then what makes Canada unique, but what can Americans kind of learn from Canada too, right? It's a relationship building again, so. Wonderful. Colleen James, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. You've written a book, now what? If you're ready to implement a simple content marketing strategy to create buzz around your book and your brand, schedule your free sparkles and strategy call with me, Melanie Hirshhorn, at contentstrategycall.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of VIP Access. We can't let the fun end here. To find out how engaging your content is, take the content quiz at mycontentquiz.com. Plus, you're invited to join our private Facebook group at vipdigital.live slash community, where you'll get live trainings and other great tips all about digital marketing. 
And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. This tells iTunes that you found the show helpful and they'll share it with more women business owners just like you. Thank you so much for listening.